0: looked at people under the age of 50, ratings, at least for the first several weeks of COVID, ratings for 18 to 49 year olds were actually down still. Down less than they were trending before COVID, but still down. You know, I think part of it is, honestly, the reason why a lot of people turn on the traditional linear television is because of sports. Right. That's really the reason what got you to turn on, especially if you were younger, that was the catalyst to get you to turn on the TV. And when you know there isn't sports, or when you know there's no sports talk, why do you even turn on the TV?
1: Rich Greenfield is a partner at LightShed, a respected tech media telecom analyst and media futurist. We have a thought provoking discussion around the changing habits of personal content consumption, viewing surprises over the past six weeks, who is best positioned for the future and who isn't, and individual shifts in behavior. We explore many topics, including sports media rights, and new on-demand products to TikTok and Netflix. The recent statistics he shares around gaming increases may be expected, but they also beg an important question. How fast will these new learned behaviors disrupt what we know today? Rich poses a number of questions and challenges for the entire marketplace to ponder and solve. He certainly makes you think. What viewing habit has most surprised you?
0: No, look, I think the the reality is, I think the thing that sort of surprises you when you think about the fact that basically consumers all across the country are essentially forced into being at home, you know, quote unquote, sheltering at home, many people not going to work, kids not going to school. You have this device called the television with 80 million households having linear television subscriptions, you know, cable, satellite, even internet subscriptions like YouTube TV, I think the shocking thing about viewing habits is that people are actually not turning on the TV. Mm. Uh, you know, ratings are up a little bit, but primarily in the over 50 demo. You know, if you looked at people under the age of 50, ratings, at least for the first several weeks of COVID, ratings for 18 to 49 year olds were actually down still, down less than they were trending before COVID, but still down. And, you know, I think part of it is honestly, the reason why a lot of people turn on the traditional linear television is because of sports, right? But that is really the reason what you got you to turn on, especially if you were younger, that was the catalyst to get you to turn on the TV. And when you know there isn't sports or when you know there's no sports talk, why do you even turn on the TV? You know, when you've got Netflix or you've got Fortnite or whatever your choice of entertainment option is, Turning on linear TV to watch entertainment programming that, you know, is probably not what you want to watch anyway and is filled with 18 minutes of commercials, unskippable, et cetera, probably, I think fundamentally is just unappealing to, uh, you know, especially younger consumers. And so I think, who would have thought we'd be stuck inside literally for weeks on end with, you know, no clear end in sight? I mean, even if the world technically opens, yeah. it's not opening, opening to the point where I don't think you're going to concerts or movies or things like that anytime soon. And so you would have thought this was like TV shining moment. And yet it's actually streaming shining moment because mm. streaming and gaming are the streaming video and gaming are the places seeing the big gains, not traditional
1: television. So it leads into the second question which you've kind of answered which I was going was thinking through has the disruption sped up the change or has it slowed and I, and I what I was leaning towards it was slowing with TV but but what you're saying is that's not the case it's it's exasperating the problem or or showcasing it even more
0: Well look I, to be fair I, I my guess is I mean Verizon commented last week that you know people adding fios Um, has certainly slowed pretty dramatically because people don't want installers in their house, no surprise. Mm. On the flip side, I would assume disconnection volumes also down because you're probably not disconnecting your cable or satellite boxes and walking them into a service center anytime soon. So, you know, in the very short term, it it probably slows cord cutting. And -hmm. again, I say it's probably. I mean, the, the reality is with so many people, Um, using YouTube TV and Hulu Live now, if you think about the pitch, I mean, go back to the Super Bowl, you probably remember the Tom Brady commercial, you know, with Hulu has live sports. Uh, You know, Hulu doesn't have live sports because nobody has live sports. And so, you know, I sort of sit here and wonder if you were paying, you know, $55 a month for Hulu Live, are you still paying $55 or you drop down to, the 599 plan on Hulu and you're just watching, you know, last night, you know, whatever the, the, you know, Handmaid's Tale and and all of the content that's sort of on demand on Hulu. So I, I do, I do wonder whether, you know, how much this is going to affect cord cutting in the short term. But look, the main point you're making, which is what is the longer term impact of this? There's no doubt in my mind. This is going to have a meaningfully. This is going to be a meaningful accelerant to cord cutting over time. Just think about it. People are learning to go to streaming, right? Like everyone is understands that you know if you watched SNL from home this weekend, you know Pete Davidson's on there saying, and you see him in the song he sings with Adam Sandler. Just finished Ozarks, like you know yeah. it's part of pop culture, right? That you know whether it's Tiger King or Too Hot to Handle or Love Is Blind, like. Netflix is literally synonymous with pop culture right now. And so you're learning to stream entertainment, television. The only reason to have a satellite or cable video subscription is sports and there's no sports on the air. And so even when sports comes back, I'm not sure you're going to have a full slate of sports. Uh, It's going to be without fans. So it's going to be a very different experience for a good period of time. And so, uh, you know, you ended 2019 with cord cutting at roughly a 5% rate. So 5% of existing subscribers cut the cord over the prior year. My guess is in 2021, six, seven, eight, nine, I don't know. It's gonna be meaningfully higher than that. Not just because of all the things we just talked about or I just mentioned, but just remember, you're probably gonna have a weaker economy. I mean, we're at some level of recession. And so, you know, with bills, even at the lowest price points of things like YouTube TV at 50 bucks, these are not cheap services. And so I, I just kind of feel like on the other side of COVID, whatever that other side means time-wise, you are going to be you know, adding a meaningful accelerant to the trends that we were already seeing, which was linear TV was already in trouble. I mean, we've been talking probably for the last three or four years about kind of how many sports fans are there in America. Because if you don't care about sports, you really shouldn't care about a, a cable or satellite bundle but you still have 80 million people subscribing and there's no way you have 80 million diehard sports fans. Is it 60 million, 50 million, 40 million? It's probably 40 to 50 have at least one diehard sports fan. So the question is how fast do you go from 80 to 40 to 50 million homes subscribing to big bundles, whatever that pace was, you just hit the accelerator.
1: Mm -hmm. And you mentioned at the beginning of that uh, response about gaming and just the the jump and and it it it's the platform that if you look at twitch that is most ready for all of these challenges and outside the streamers and the gamers they're bringing in the traditional sport guys just publicity for the media then to to just add fuel to the flame that they're already growing and there's the streaming numbers continue to rise are you a gamer yourself
0: I am not a big gamer. I mean, I don't mind playing games, but I'm a little too busy to get into the weeds of gaming. But like my kids, like I see my kids with Minecraft and Roblox and Fortnite. And, you know, when, you know, Verizon released some statistics. And I think the Verizon bandwidth or usage statistics that Verizon released, you know, I think streaming video is up like 30%, 40%. Linear TV is up single digits. But the number that's astounding, gaming bandwidth has doubled. Mm doubled. I mean, over 200% growth. Now, people are buying PS4s, you know, 4s, people are buying Xboxes, people are playing. I mean, gaming is just filling time, especially for a younger generation. Uh, you know, look at the Travis Scott Fortnite the other night where you had, you know, probably 15 million people either inside of Fortnite or watching people play Fortnite. Like, th- there is no doubt that Fortnite or sorry, that gaming is sort of the new platform where young people congregate. It's just a fact.
1: Yeah. You know, it's a fascinating, if you take the Fortnite and Travis Scott, and like you said, 12 to 15, whatever that number ends, ends up being, um, with very little promotion, you know, way in advance, call it a couple days, it just goes. And then you take ESPN, who crushed it, obviously, this past weekend with three nights, and would you had 15 million. On the we did. Um, but you go apples to the apples there of one that is an institution every year pent up demand and you get 15 and then all of a sudden, hey, send me a message, have you seen Travis's over at Fortnite and all the next thing you know, they've got similar numbers.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I just think that, you know, there is you know, and not to mention the demos were a lot better. I mean, you know, me me and you were watching the draft uh, (laughs) age-wise. I mean, no offense to the two of us, but there's just a fundamental shift in behavior. And, you know, I think all of the sports leagues are going to have to grapple with the implications and, you know, they're all trying to, you know, they're trying to do NBA 2K. Like everyone's trying to integrate themselves into the, esports video game world it's just easier said than done um and look the 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 fundamental challenge is there's a finite amount of time spent and so you know people are shifting from watching traditional sports to gaming and it's eating into you know between whether it's you know gaming or whether it's snapchat or instagram TikTok, I mean, think about probably the biggest growth item that I've noticed in terms of mobile application during all of this. I mean, TikTok has exploded. I mean, I opened up my phone this morning and who do I see doing a TikTok? But, you know, you see A-Rod and J-Lo like hamming it up on TikTok. Like Bruce Willis was there yesterday. It's like, it's just incredible how every celebrity and sports athlete and model, like they're all just, you know, they're all giddy over, over TikTok right now. And uh, you know, that's a platform nobody was
1: talking about just two years ago. Do you think that's because of what TikTok offers or because it's the latest shiny toy? And if this is nine years ago, we'd be saying the same thing about the same excitement with Twitter. You what know, I think more. I mean, it's, um, you know, sunset, it, it's
0: a really good question. I'm not totally sure. I mean, part of it is, I think, to some degree, when you get forced into your home with your kids – for a lot more time and none of us are traveling and none of us are at work i think you start to say like hey what are you doing over there what is this right. and then you're like well i can do that too and then you start to see the engagement numbers and you see someone like charlie d'amelio who you know she's a young teenager and wasn't even on TikTok until last summer and now she's the biggest you know TikToker in the world with over 50 million followers in less than 10 months and you know in march she was on the fallon show i mean people are becoming like real, like celebrities out of this, like, you know, bonafide celebrities, just the way people were becoming bonafide celebrities on YouTube, you know, six or seven years ago. And so uh, to me, it's just, it's a massive new platform. I mean, think about Fortnite. I mean, look the way Ninja became a celebrity, you know, on that platform. I mean, these massive global platforms enable you to have celebrity stature. And so I think when you have that much engagement and that much conversation around it, um, it makes people want to be part of the platform.
1: Mm. And, and what about uh, newer streaming uh, platforms that are a paid model that are relatively new, a Disney plus, a Quibi in the last month, you know, was the timing great for Quibi or was it not good? That all of a sudden-
0: I mean, look, and- sh- streaming platforms overall, this is the greatest perfect storm, right? Like you're trapped at home. You got nothing to do. Schoolwork is, you know, lighter than normal, probably pass foul. Yes. Most kids don't even care. Like, I mean, you know, trying to get your kids to do homework in a world where it's past foul and like, there's no teachers around looking over their shoulder. Like this is like the perfect opportunity for streaming video. And so whether it's Peacock that launched in beta, whether it's Quibi, um, You know, whether it's HBO Max, which launches at the end of May, this is without a doubt an unbelievable time for streaming platforms. I mean, you're seeing record signups to Disney Plus and Hulu and Netflix just put up a a mind boggling number. I mean, more than 50 percent of the ads of all of last year, they added in Q1 alone. So this is a great time for streaming. You know, Quibi may be a little bit disadvantaged only because it was meant to be a commuting tool or a commuting platform and obviously much like podcasts. I mean, think about what we're doing right now. Podcast listenership is down because people are not commuting. They're not going to the gym. They're not running the errands they would put on a podcast and listen to. And so, you know, Quibi may get hurt a little bit at the margin, but I think the overarching theme for streaming video services is this is the best thing that ever could have happened. And you wouldn't wish this on anyone obviously, but you know, being forced to be at home if you're a streaming platform and you can't get usage during this, you're never going to get usage. Right. I mean, this, this is the best it's going to get is having everyone trapped in their homes.
1: Yeah. And back to sports and you mentioned just with the shift of behavior and with, if it's an NBA 2K or or trying to uh, lower the age of your, your audience, what, what league out there do you think has either done it best or has an audience right for change um and or and or at least position well, we have to execute on that but best position to to make that change see
0: this is such a hard question and i mean i know this is what we struggle I mean, are, with. no no, no, no. I, i'm not i'm not i you know i'm gonna answer it but it's a really hard issue because i i i think about the the you know take the two sides of this right the NBA is without a doubt been the leader in getting new technology and pushing the envelope, highlights, clips, athletes on social media, which is great, right? I mean, they have more fandom. They've created massive superstars in the way that I don't know if you ever could have without embracing technology um, and social media, the way the NBA has on the flip side. Right. And I remember debating this or talking about this with David Stern, you know, several years ago, which is, have you enabled a whole generation not to watch live games and just be highlight addicted and, you know, look no further than house of highlights. I mean, it works pretty darn well to give you a flavor of what happened. And it's a lot of fun to just see the highlights and not spend two to three hours watching games. Um, On the flip side, people were going to create those highlights anyway right? Like they were going to get uploaded illegally if you didn't make them easy to share. And people were, you know, were people going to really sit through the game anyway, you um, know, in increasingly kind of ADD world that we sort of are growing up in. You could say it wouldn't have made a difference. People still would have done it. They just would have, you know, done it illegally and it would have happened. And you would have spent your entire life playing whack-a-mole to try to shut down all of those highlights. Yeah, I don't know if there's a perfect model. I mean, I think, look, the fundamental challenge that every sports league is going through right now is that they've essentially lived off of the multi-channel bundle. You know, I mean when you think about ESPN pays 9, you know, you're paying $9 a month for ESPN, you're paying 850 for MSG, you're paying 650 for the YES network, you're paying, you know, $4 for the FS1 suite. I mean The whole sports world has essentially lived off of the multi-channel video bundle. There is no, there's no other business model that is as good as the traditional legacy model that sports has. And, you know, look, I'd love, I was, remember debating this with, uh, or listening to Mark Cuban debate this with a bunch of other uh, team owners at the NBA Tech Summit earlier this year, you know, Cuban was like, we have to figure out a way to get paid for all of our highlights. Like every time somebody sees, you know, something on Twitter or on Instagram, we need to get paid, or you see a house of highlights, we like, we need to get paid for every single view. Hey, look conceptually I don't disagree. I, I think that would be amazing, but how do you make that happen? How do you actually, you know, price that out and you know, even if you did, would it come anywhere close to the value of the media rights that the NBA gets coming from TBS or, you know, TNT um, and ESPN. And it's hard to see how those numbers would ever add up. I mean, the problem is sports sort of has become attached at the hip to the big cable bundle. But now the cable bundle's going under. Mm-hmm. And you go back to where we started this conversation and an accelerating rate uh, mm-hmm. coming out of COVID. And you go, well, what's the answer here? And that's what I don't have. I think that's the real challenge is sports leagues, all of them literally every single one of them needs to figure out new ways of making money because the TV ecosystem isn't going to give them the dollars they're used to. And assuming players are going to want more money every year and owners are going to want to make more money every year. If revenues aren't growing, they need to find new ways of making money. And I don't have a crystal ball to know exactly what that means. But, but that's the challenge is that this legacy business that has been incredibly fruitful for everyone in the sports world is is in a lot of trouble as you look out over the next few years and a lot of it's because these streaming platforms non-sports have taken all of the value for a non-sports fan out of the bundle like there is literally no reason to subscribe to linear television if you don't care about sports there's nothing there you can get almost every single thing that you would want to see on one of these services i mean FX is on Hulu. Broadcast TV is on Hulu and CBS All Access. Netflix has tons of content. Amazon has tons of content. Disney Plus has the entire Disney S- Star Wars catalog. Like, Why do you need to subscribe to linear television unless you're a sports fan? Mm. And, and then there aren't even sports to watch on television, so it makes it even more of a craziness right now.
1: What, what uh, sporting event are you waiting to see come back?
0: Well, look, I mean, I'm the, if fan-wise, I'm the biggest fan of, of NFL football. And so I certainly hope the NFL figures out a way to bring back um, the NFL. I mean, I, look, I, I'm I'm realistic. I think pro sports have it much easier than college sports. I, you know, I, uh, you can do pro sports quarantined. You can do, you know, you can do a tremendous amount of testing. Um, but it's still going to be hard. I mean, I still wonder. I mean, I, you know, I – I keep debating this in my head. If you only make a million dollars or half a million dollars, like if you're, you know, think about, you know, the average salary of an NFL team, you know, and your lifestyle, you may need, you know, and I put air quotes around need. You may feel like you need to work, but are the top 50 players, do they feel like they need to work under those conditions? Do they want to work under those conditions? Same thing with actors and actresses in movies and television shows like, How many people are going to say, no, I don't want to be quarantined in Arizona for four months away from my family. My wife is pregnant or my kid has this or like, I just wonder, like the realities of life, how much they're going to get in the way of trying, you know, how do you physically quarantine every player, every person on a team and their staff for months on end? Don't let them go anywhere. Like that just doesn't sound like a fun existence, especially when you know that there's risks involved. Like, I I wonder that balance side of it. Like, is it worth it for some of these professional teams to come back before they're really – before they have all of their players and teams feeling safe that it's to come back? And then college is a whole another more difficult issue because with college sports – and, like, I can't imagine a fall without college football. I mean, I truly cannot. But the reality is I don't see how college sports happen this season. I don't know how you bring that many students back to campus in August, September. It just seems – being brutally honest, it seems untenable. The more I talk and the more people I listen to over the last two weeks, I've gone from hopeful to uh, I'm at the point now where I literally think college football season, it it may happen next year, meaning during the school year, but I don't think it's happening in September, October, November, December. We may be talking about a February through June season.
1: Yeah. Well, I think you're We're seeing a lot more. The the conversation has shifted to a bit of a risk reward now. Like we've 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 been at home for 45 days. Yep. And so, where is the balance between all of this from sports and economy and health and lifestyle and mental health? Um, uh, But you're right. I mean, college takes even more because of the amount of students you need back in a confined area.
0: Yeah. I mean, I listened to Cuomo. He's like, if pro sports want to start up in New York and they want to do it without fans and they want to do testing and quarantining, let them go at it. But that means the players have to be comfortable doing that too. And all the staffs and the trainers and, you know, all the cameramen, because obviously you're only doing it if you can generate TV revenues and broadcast the game. So you need the camera crews to be, you know, all for it. And I don't know. I mean, it, it, it does seem like a heavy lift doing anything soon I mean maybe we'll feel differently in October November but trying to you know I'm not sure where you lock like how do you do hockey you know you're gonna lock everyone down where I mean where are there enough ice skating rinks to play that many games like it it just doesn't seem easy to do yeah and and look what happened with basketball right I mean one person on one team got sick right It took one person to shut the entire league down. And I give Adam Silver a tremendous amount of credit for doing the right thing to protect his content, meaning his players. But we're talking about if any one person in NHL, NBA, NFL, like if one person gets sick, is everything shut down again instantly?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: It's just like, I mean, look, I hope they get it off the ground. I'm praying and hoping. I think pro has a much better shot than college, but God, I, I just wonder whether, like, is it really worth it versus just saying, you know what, let's call the seasons. Let's not play this year. Let's get our let's get closer to a vaccine. Let's see whether the virus comes back in the fall and we'll restart in, you know, we'll play basketball and football and everything. Obviously, all sports will happen in January, February 2021. Like, is that the reality? I don't think we're there yet, but I'm certainly starting to think a lot about that.
1: Let me close with the crystal ball and let's, let's push it out. uh, Let's push it out five years and, uh, and you can't answer it with sports media rights or, um, or cord cut. Where, where's the, where is a huge shift, something that we're not seeing or something that you just believe will fundamentally change also how we're, we're viewing. And Or is that simply five years of 18-year-olds becoming 23 with money and they grew up watching things certain ways and the 65-year-olds are 70 and how that works?
0: Well, I mean, look, I think, you know, you you have to think about the economic models of sports that rely on regional sports networks, right? So sports like baseball, basketball, hockey – rely on regional sports networks. I don't think those businesses are going to exist in five to 10 years the way they do today. And so the question is, if you own one of those franchises, what is your business? Sorry. what does your business look like in five to 10 years? Like, can you make payroll? Like media rights are so integrated into these businesses. So I think the, you know, the question really becomes, what do these sports look like? Because they've got, you know, I, I, w- w- one of the things I think a lot about is the average baseball viewer is now old, right? Like the the viewer is aging substantially. Younger population isn't even, go back to what we were talking about before, the younger population isn't watching live sports. So um, how do you, what do the is it new sports emerge like our you know do video games and esports become far far bigger over the next five to seven years um do sports that have been huge in europe you know does i wonder whether soccer becomes a whole new level of importance in this country in five to ten years relative to some of the other sports it, it's younger you know look at the way people watch epl on saturday mornings on nbc sports gold um relative to the average age of someone watching a major league baseball game. Like, but look, maybe the biggest change getting back to your question and saying, I can't talk about media rights, maybe the end result is is going to be honestly, maybe seasons are going to have to get a lot shorter, you know, and maybe that's the biggest takeaway is that, you know, the length of NBA, the length of NHL, the length of major league, maybe these seasons are just far too long given the economic model that currently exists that you can't sustain people watching and you can't have networks paying that much money. And so you're going to need to make these sports feel like every game is more important. It can't just be about like, Hey, you play a hundred and whatever, how many, 140 baseball, whatever the 160 baseball games. And then everybody 108 hundred and then you wait for the playoffs. Like it may just, you may have to figure out how do you make these events, these regular events feel more special. I mean, that's what football has going for it is every week feels special. That is not the way the other sports feel right now. And I wonder, as we look out, looking at how the whole economic model around these companies is changing, is the end result, they've got to restructure. You know, we saw some glimpse of of it with the NBA talking about sort of a mid-season playoffs. Like, maybe we have to rethink these sports because the fan isn't going to be there for the traditional regular season that's been there. And so – there needs to be a reboot of actually how these sports are structured over the next five years and i don't think that's crazy to kind of forecast looking at where i mean think about how much has changed in the last five or seven years looking out five to seven that doesn't seem crazy at all to me i don't know what the right answer is structurally but it it does seem hard to believe that baseball season is going to run from you know april through you know late march april through october for the rest of our lives with this many games
1: And that's the bond. There's plenty more to come.